0: In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus tells us two parables. The first is of the lost sheep, in which case the owner leaves the 99 to go after that one sheep who's been lost. And when he finds it, he puts it on its shoulders and returns rejoicing and throws a big party with his friends for all the joy of finding his lost sheep. The second parable is that of the lost coin. And the woman searches diligently and sweeps the house until she finds the coin. And then she calls her friends together and they rejoice uh, with a party at finding the lost coin. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read these parables and other parables and things in the Gospels, I immediately think um, of this in terms of being an example to me of how I should live, a moral story of You know, an admonishment to me of how I should live and behave um, towards those who are lost, perhaps. How I need to love them and go after them and try and bring them back to God. And that is a good lesson. It's a good moral lesson. It's certainly an admonition to us and what we should take away from these parables. But that is not, actually, the primary message here that Jesus is trying to get across. Jesus is telling these parables to some Pharisees and lawyers who were complaining that he had received and ate with the dregs of their society. They were basically saying, How can this, you know, quote unquote, man of God associate with treasonous tax collectors and repugnant, unclean sinners? This is unbecoming, it's inappropriate. This just will not do. I mean, a man of God, one who is a teacher of the law, a representative of God, cannot be in the company of these kinds of people, eating and consorting with them. This is not God-like. This is not something God would do. It's not something one of his men would do either. That was the complaint that Jesus was responding to when he told these parables. The primary message that he is conveying is not firstly a moral lesson on how you and I should behave. He is telling them and us what God is like. (laughs) That's the message here. What God is like. And quite frankly, in all of his interactions with the Pharisees and lawyers and religious leaders and those that just didn't get it, that was at the root of the problem. They didn't know what God was like. I mean, even today, among Christians, even in our own church. I don't mean this church, but I mean even good Orthodox people. When we have disagreements and we're arguing about this and that, what we're really arguing about at the end of the day is what is God really like? Is he vengeful and wrathful? Oh, no, he's merciful. He's Santa Claus in the sky. You know, we just swing from one extreme to another. We're always wrestling with what God is like. Christ, you know, he told the Pharisees in some pretty colorful language in some places, they really had no idea what God was like. They had been deceived by their father, who was a liar, and a liar from the beginning. But that's what this is all about. Now, I mean, obviously, naturally, we should all want to be like God. So there is a lesson in there for us to imitate God. But the point, the real message, the emphasis of these parables is not about how we should behave, but it is what is our God like? Who is he? And what is he like? And the Pharisees, despite their expertise, clearly did not know or understand. And I would suggest that we, very often, either don't know or understand or forget or question it, In moments of doubt, moments of despair, or despondency. So often we read the Gospels as moral admonitions, which is good. I mean, that's fine and good, that's important, but that is secondary. The Gospels are about God, about Jesus Christ. We call the Bible the Word of God. It's not really, it's the Word, Jesus is the Word of God. It's okay to refer to the Bible as the Word of God In so much as it reveals Jesus Christ. Who is the word of God. So when we read the scriptures. We are reading the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that we can know him. And love him. As he is. The scriptures are Christological. They reveal Christ to us. Just one more example. If you take the parable of the good Samaritan for example we read this parable again as sort of a moral tale about how we should treat other people with the love of Christ that's fine that's good we should read it that way but that's not ultimately what the parable is about the parable the good Samaritan is not you the good Samaritan is Jesus Christ it is a description of what God in Christ has done coming down here and suffering and dying for us that's what that parable is really about So I'm with St. Paul when he says to the Corinthians, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We establish a foundation and we create a space for the necessary grace and energy to be at work for salvation in our lives and in our community, not by moralism or cookbook Christianity or self-help Christianity or treating the Bible as a Roadmap to better living and self fulfillment. But when we approach the scriptures and our faith as it has been handed down to us as a revelation of the person, our Savior, Jesus Christ, of who He is, of what He's like, of what He's done, and of what He continues to do for us. So this morning, when we hear this parable of the lost sheep, think of the beloved icon of Jesus the Good Shepherd who tenderly and happily carries that naughty little sheep on his shoulders back to safety and remember that everything is about Christ. That point being made I want to turn for a moment to the Epistle and a few of our propers in today's Mass and and see how masterfully the Mass sort of weaves together A very important truth from this. First, our epistle from uh, St. Peter's first letter. He says this. God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by... Casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Our cares. He's speaking here of burdens and anxieties and fears and sufferings, weights. We have plenty of that in this life. How many times have you complained to someone or gone to confession, complained about your burdens and your fears and your anxieties, and your priest has asked you if you're praying? And you say, well, I mean, either no or a little bit, maybe. I mostly complain. I haven't really poured out my soul in, you know, real, persistent, faithful prayer. Well, you don't have to answer the question how many times because I'm your priest, so I know. It's a lot. (laughs) It's our problem. Again and again I hear this. Again and again I commit this problem. We all have problems and fears and anxieties and needs. But so often we do not cast our cares upon him. Not in the way he has instructed us to. St. Peter admonishes us to cast our cares on him. I admonish you and myself to cast your cares upon him. Telling you he will hear you. He will help you if you pray fervently, without ceasing, He will hear you and He will help you. Why don't we do it? Why don't we just continue to complain about things and wring our hands and try and solve our problems with a YouTube video or a podcast or whatever it is, a pill? We know we all do it. It's probably because among other things that we don't believe what St. Peter says. What St. Peter says when he says that we cast our cares upon him because he cares for you. We don't believe that. Really. I mean, we believe it. But we don't really believe it. We cast our cares upon him. St. Peter says, "Because he cares for us." Maybe we don't believe Jesus when He says He loves us so much that despite our failures, He'll leave the 99 and He'll come after us and bring us home and rescue us again and again. Why do we struggle to remember or believe this about Christ? In other words, what He's really like. How He feels about you. (laughs) What He's committed Himself to in your life. So that you will cast your cares upon him. Well the very next verse. In St. Peter's epistle. Gives us the answer. At first when you read this. It might sound a little disjointed. But it's actually not. So I'm going to read the three verses together. So you get the whole connection. God will exalt you in due time. If you humble yourselves. Under his mighty hand. By casting your cares on him. Because he cares for you. Be sober and alert your enemy the devil like a roaring lion is on the prowl looking for someone to devour cast your cares be sober and alert what does spiritual warfare have to do with trusting God to care for you and turning to him in your need there's a very important reason Why, St. Peter, go straight from turning to God in your need to keep watch of the devil who prowls about seeking to destroy you. A very important reason and connection here. But in order to answer that question of what these two things have to do with each other, we have to first go back to the first encounter, the very first encounter between the serpent and the woman and man in the garden. This very shrewd serpent we read about. He began his attack by approaching the woman first. And he posed a question. And he said, is it really true? Did God really say? So you see he begins to sow seeds of doubt within the woman. He begins to chip away at her trust in God's word. He perceives, apparently, if you read between the lines, a slight wobble in the woman. She's shaken a little bit by these questions. She's, she's perked up her ears. She's listening. Hmm, maybe he has something important to say about this. When he has her on her heels, he goes in for the fatal blow. First, he contradicts God's words. Surely you will not die. And then he questions God's sincerity, God's trustworthiness, by telling her that God has told you these things to protect his own interests. It's essentially what he's saying to her that he has deceived you in order to keep you down and to keep you under his control. And he does not have your best interests at heart. He does not really love you. And you cannot trust him. And I'm going to tell you how you can be free of him. Be your own man. Be your own God. Disobey him. Take and eat. That's essentially what the devil does. This strategy. Which the devil used plunge the entire world into death. It was to convince man that God didn't really care for him, that God was not trustworthy, and therefore man cannot rely on God, needs to take matters into his own hands, and care for himself. It worked. It worked. And as the saying goes, you know, don't fix what ain't broke. And the old serpent has been using this same strategy, this same tactic, ever since. That's why St. Peter says: cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, and be alert and sober because the devil is trying to destroy you. In the same sentence, in the same thought. Because these things are intimately related. The devil destroys us by getting us to rely upon ourselves and failing to turn to God in faithful and desperate prayer. St. Peter goes on to say, resist him strong in your faith because you know that your brothers around the world are suffering the same as you are suffering. All right, now suffering is what the devil uses to convince us that God doesn't really care for us. How many can relate to that? God, where are you? Why do I have to go through this? Are you real? Do you really love me? But St. Peter says, in the end, in just a little while, and it is a little while despite how it feels in the grand scope of things, it's a very little while. He says, you'll be brought to eternal glory and He'll restore all things by His great and loving power. Faith is knowing that you are loved, And returning that love by trust, faithfulness to God in the face of the devil's lies and the suffering in this world that we must endure. That is the message of today's Mass, both in the Gospel and in the Epistle and lo and behold in the Propers, if you look at them. And it's masterful how clear this message is. This all-important but simple, simple message. The introit. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am desolate and in misery and forgive all my sins, O my God. Unto thee, O Lord, will I lift up my soul, my God, I have put my trust in thee, O let me not be confounded. The colic, O God, the protector of them that trust in thee, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy. The gradual, O oh, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall nourish thee. When I called upon the Lord, he heard my voice from the battle that was against me. The offertory, they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has never failed them that seek thee. The message is resounding this morning. Seek God, because he cares for you. Turn to him in prayer and beware that the devil's scheme who wants to destroy you by getting you to forget God and try and go it alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardeen, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.